Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. If you're ready, then we will launch right into it. Now, where is that accent from? That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm from Glasgow. Wow, that's awesome. There's not very many uh, black Scottish journalists wandering around, so I try and use it as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Works for me. Thank you very much. Okay, so David, describe your life right now for me in one word or one sentence. Increasingly exciting. Lots of new stuff happening every day. It's, um, it's exciting times. I like to hear that. Um, so in the vein of those exci exciting times, you've got about a minute to tell me about your latest project. Is that my book or is that my theatre show? What, what are you Ooh, about? your book. My book is a, um, is a memoir of my entire career, but it's also a sort of mental health kind of manual about how and why I believe growing up in England had a particular effect uh, on my mental health, uh, how I've navigated that space, how that space affected me, put me in a mental institution, how I got out of that mental institution twice and went on to build a successful career despite the slings and arrows, but it's also uh, just a very, very funny chronicle of my life. And somebody, I, somebody I met the other day, lots of people tell me they say it made them laugh, it made them cry, it made them angry. And I think that's sort of a good way. Yeah, that's looking, exactly how it made me feel. It's a good way of looking at it. So the book originally came out last year in hardback. That's when I read it. Do you think much has changed between last year and this year? in terms of how we're talking about race, in terms of how we're talking about the black community and mental health. We know we had a bit of a quote unquote awakening in 2020. Do you think much has changed since then? I do think that there's been a certain backlash towards some of the advances that we made. Some of the, the I think certainly the awakening uh, was a really hopeful period. It was a really hopeful and exciting um, time. I think certain elements of that sort of awakening has now been sort of weaponized against the community. Uh, there's been certain pushback. We have certain elements within our government now pushing back against what they call wokery, whatever the hell that means. But I think diversity falls into that, can fall into that character of what is being described as wokeness. And that's really sad that, that you know, that wonderful sort of awakening sense of that we all had. I think we, we all found ourselves suddenly with microphones and cameras in our faces in those early days of 2020. And, you know, we all were sort of thinking, oh my God, we're being allowed to tell our story. We're being, we're being allowed to talk. I'm not so sure that that same, still quite as doors are already closing. But I do think that certain certain elements within the wider society are woke to that. I, I still think we perhaps have a number of allies that are, you know, banging the drum in our favour. Tell me about people's reactions to the book when it first came out. I think everyone's been really moved by it. I mean, lots of people I speak to are surprised that because they simply didn't see it. A lot of white people I meet, it's almost like a bit of an awakening for them again because they think, for the first time, they, they hadn't thought about the wider question of growing up in what I call a white space. Now, I know when black people use the term white, a lot of people kind of 
get quite defensive, immediately get quite defensive and kind of shut down. But, you know, you've, it, it is a white space. And you've seen over the last couple of days with, you know, the funeral of, you know, uh, Her Majesty, how white a space it is. And, uh, you know, you see a number, a couple of faces in the crowd and a couple of faces in the pews of colour. And that's been encouraging to see. But, but media and royalty and elite societies are still very, very much a white space. It's, I think it's changing, slowly changing. But I would say that a lot of people in that space have been surprised about what it was really like growing up in the 60s and 70s, even though, you know, they always felt thought the country's been the most tolerant, open, welcoming space. When you tell them that you're regularly chased, regularly abused, it's a surprise to them. And um, that surprised me that they didn't think that, that occurred. And I think when you link that to, I always think of myself as this, this little boy. I think of the world that that little, myself as a little boy grew up in. I think that, that was incredibly difficult space to formulate a healthy view of oneself. And now mm. I'm beginning to understand, just done a recent documentary on blackface and seeing how the Black and White Minstrel Show how successful it was and the fact that it was on every Saturday night when I was a child growing up in a society that where that was entertainment it, it, it's kind of extraordinary to think that I grew up at a time when people felt it was perfectly normal to black put boot polish on your face and sort of sing songs of the Mississippi and you know in the Mason Dixie line when actually they were probably the most violent places for people of color it's extraordinary to think that I grew up in that environment and have somehow survived it. It's also extraordinary for people to think that growing up in that wouldn't affect people as well. Yeah, I guess they don't think it affects people, again, because they don't think like that. They don't have to think that way. But also, I don't think we have accepted how much it affects us. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I try and tell people to watch their thoughts, to watch their mental health, because I don't think we're aware of just how many microaggressions or just how much stress and strain it is growing up in a society where you, you are. I mean, I think things are slightly better. I, mean, I see myself more on television. I see myself more on movie posters. I see myself more, you know, in town and generally now. But, but you know, there's an argument that that's still superficial. At least our kids are growing up in society now where they do have black icons regularly appearing on television, regularly appearing in magazine newspapers on their social media. It's a different world now. What would you like people to take away from the book? I would like people to take away the idea that the exterior can affect the interior. I would like people to really recognise the story as a story of resilience and success. I would like people to take away from the book, black mental health, an important factor in British life. And I think it's something that we have to, all of us, and, and even within, within the community, have to acknowledge, And because we are overrepresented in that sector. We are overrepresented in, in, in the mental health sector. And to look out for one another, look out for those people who you might think might be maybe falling off the wagon and, and be more, perhaps more understanding of people who do. So imagine for a moment you weren't a super successful actor, an author. What would be your plan B? What would you have done instead? Uh, I thought about this. I, I guess I would be a teacher. I'm not sure if I had the 
kahunas to do it, but uh, you know, the idea of inspiring young generations and working with young generations. And one of the things I've been very lucky at is that, you know, being an actor, I'm still have access to, you know, people watch my show and people talk to you. So you, you have access across generations. And I've been in the business nearly 35 years now to see that we're all part of the same story, you know, whether it's Windrush, my parents coming here, hoping that they were going to succeed to my daughter now going off to university. We're all part of the same legacy, part of the same struggle, and hopefully moving that forward. And if I could be of any help, and the, particularly with the documentaries I make, in enlightening people, enlightening this generation, that gives me the greatest pleasure. But what would you teach? English or drama or sociology? Uh, I would teach joy. I would teach joy. <laughs> and, uh, I'd I, take I, that class. Yeah, just 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 being uh, just being inspirational in 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 the things you say and the and the example you set. I love that. What has made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Sad, obviously, all, all things to do with you know the the funeral. I mean, that's always a sad time because one reflects on the people that you've lost. I mean, you still people attacking that poor woman, Meghan Markle. You just think it's so sad that we are still at it. That people are still at it. It makes me, that probably makes me mad. Actually. I won't say it makes me sad. The fact that people are still attacking that woman and, and have no idea why. They, mm -hmm. they find some reason. And I, I, she must be really strong, man, because that sort of stuff is the stuff that sent me crazy. When you are being attacked in the press, dismissed in the press for holding your man's hand for wearing a dress or wearing a hat in a particular way. I mean, that's really what makes me mad, that that madness is still alive. Glad, what's made me glad? Glad my daughter's going off to university. That's sort of great. And I just think that um, I'm proud of that. I'm proud, a proud dad that she's uh, passed. And, you know, my other daughter studying psychology as a dad, I've been very happy this last week to see my girls, these little babies, now going off doing their levels and going off to university. That's really made me glad. But did you make it? Did it make you a little bit sad when you drop them off and you have to leave them behind? It probably will on Saturday because I, I drop her off this week. But yes and no. I mean, you know, this is the first time I've seen them not in uniform. You know, this especially my youngest one. She just looks amazing, and I, you know, I, I just she's a young woman. And that is filling me with joy, fear, but also sort of um, just the, the, the wonder of life. <laughs> I get that. What are you watching right now? Mm, am I watching? I haven't really been, I've been really bad. I've been, I watched a lot of documentaries. So the last documentary I watched was on Wayne Jeffs and all his... Um, it was all, it's cults. I, 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 I watch stuff about cults and I'm a huge documentary fan. So I, I think I love watching documentaries. Now I'm going to give you the opportunity to celebrate somebody else whose work, whether it's an actor, an author or anything like that, do you really rate right now? Wow. Uh, celebrate somebody else. Oh, Wow. I'm going to celebrate Edward Enninfell, who has just written a, a fantastic book, apparently made the New York Times bestseller list, when as a black 
as, a, as an immigrant to this country, somebody who grew up here, I think he's just done extraordinarily well. I think, he's, I think his approach to life is wonderful. I think his vision of life is wonderful. And I think his example is truly wonderful. How he brings people together. First black editor of Vogue, British Vogue. How he has taken that magazine and uh, really dragged it into the future. How he champions those who were previously unseen. Mm-hmm. Black people, large people, old people, and has really made success of that. So, um, you know, I, I definitely champion him for everything that he's doing right now. That's a good one, definitely. And lastly, tell me, of course, where we can find the book and if you can get in a little bit about your latest theatre project that you alluded to as well. Um, I, you can find this book in WH Smith's, you can find it in independent bookstores, you can find it in Waterstones, you can buy it online, you can find it on Amazon, there's an audio book you can listen to, and obviously it's paperback, so it's cheaper, so buy it. I'll be honest with you, I am amazed. Sometimes I have a little dip at the reviews, and people are really, really honest about it. And I think because I've been so authentic and real, it's had a real effect on people. And I, I really hope that, that people buy it, pick it up and read it because it, it, as I say, it'll entertain, it'll teach and, uh, and it'll upset. And, but it hopefully will change and save a few people too. And when you bought the book, you can come see me on stage at the Noel <laughs> in the West End uh, in Best of Enemies, which is uh, very funny and very... A very funny, challenging, entertaining evening in the theatre. Amazing. David Howard, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you.